So this morning, am I busy? This morning, I would like us to look at being victors in Christ. I'd like us to explore what this looks like for for us as believers, how we can attain it, and what are some of the battles we will face as believers today. So let's look at the word victory. Google defines victory as an act of defeating an enemy or opponent in battle, game, or other competition. While Merriam-Webster says victory is the overcoming of an enemy or antagonist, an achievement of mastery or success in a struggle or endeavor against odds or difficulties. So that's the worldly view of victory. So we understand what victory can be, but how does victory in Christ relate to us? Let's look at one of the scriptures we're going to focus on today in Romans chapter 8 from verse 31. Now most people will know this verse as the verse about conquerors. But when I looked up the NKJV version of it, it's titled God's Everlasting Love. And I prefer that title to the conquering title. But the version I'm going to be speaking from is the Amplified. I'm humming, am I? Is that my... What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be successful against us? He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect, his chosen ones? It is God who justifies us, declaring us blameless and putting us in a right relationship with himself. Who is the one who condemns us? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty, and more than that, who was raised from the dead, and who is at the right hand of God, interceding with the Father for us. Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine, or nakedness or danger, or sword, just as it is written and forever remains written? For your sake we are put to death all day long, we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So victors in Christ have an inheritance greater and more valuable than anything this lifetime can offer us or we can ever experience. Let me stress, the victory can only be experienced with Christ. Look at verse 32. Paul emphasizes only with Jesus, not without him, will we experience this great victory God has made for his son, Jesus Christ. So victors in Christ are justified by him. He sanctifies us and releases us from all condemnation, both from the enemy and ourselves. They are assured of their final destiny, taking comfort in the promise of Jesus' resurrection. So victors in Christ know they are loved greatly by God now and forevermore. A quote from Pinterest. Sometimes you see failure, but God sees victory in you. God sees in you what you can't see in yourself. What does victory in Christ look like? 
We begin to live in God's victory when we allow him to have complete authority and control over us and in us. Victory in Christ is dependent on how much we give of ourselves to him. 1 Corinthians 15, from verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abandoning in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. Amen. That's the proof that there's victory in Jesus. This passage shows victory comes clearly from God in verse 57. And this victory cannot be experienced until we give ourselves completely over to Christ, just as he did to the Father who saved us. Jesus' victory showed his life overcoming death. His power vanquishing the powers of evil. His love and forgiveness bringing healing to the sick and freedom to those in bondage from sin. Philippians 2 verse 9. For this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. The conquered become the conquerors. Those who have been conquered help and teach others to conquer their sins, their fears, and whatever comes their way via the Holy Spirit and the strength of God. Originally, sin, fear, and death conquered us, Under these we had no hope, joy, peace, and in some cases love. When we allowed Jesus into our lives, he empowered us to conquer sin, fear, and in his power conquer death. Jesus brings freedom to the captives and strength to the oppressed. His glory shines out of everything he touches, and his righteousness shows what he says is true. He is a man of his word, a word that can be trusted. Through this, he has given us all enduring hope, a joy that never leaves us, a peace beyond our own and others' understanding, and a love so great those who truly know and love him can't do enough for him when he asks. Those who are victors always have hope. They always hope for new beginnings, hoping for something new. They want to do different. They want something different, something that is beneficial. As we see with most people who go into battle, they go into battle for a reason, for a purpose, to ensure the outcomes are the best for all. So they always have hope and dreams of better. Victors use words such as peace and joy, and these belong to them, not the defeated. The defeated are normally unhappy. When was the last time you saw a a very happy loser? 
disagreement there. By God's grace, he leads us into, victory, into every victory, be it personal, physical, or spiritual. Those who are conquered normally have to relinquish something to be, be it their rights, their lands, or their freedoms. So we who are victors in Christ relinquish our will to God, but we gain more than we lose. He blesses us with promises and fulfills them even before we acknowledge him. He protects us. He gives us 24-7 security. No guard dogs, no electric fences, no guns, no water pistols. So that's a personal joke. His weapons are love, joy, peace, kindness. And against all these things, there is no answer for sin. And it must flee when the Lord is present. Third point. What do we need to do to attain, to attain victory in Christ? Victory in Christ means we don't always get our own way. I know. Newsflash. Don't, don't be a Christian and expect to get your own way. It's a bit like marriage. You know, you, you accept it after, after a certain while. Yeah? You're not going to get, there has to be compromise. Or you give over your will to someone else. But we do please God for our faithfulness and obedience. An internet quote. The victory God wants to win in me is more important than the victory I want him to win for me. That's the key struggles most of us will struggle with. Victory in Christ begins with humility. There's two ways to be humbled. Humble yourself or let God humble you. One is more preferable than the other. It's your choice. Victors in Christ humble themselves before him in all ways and try to honour God in everything that they do. David gives a heartfelt prayer as his people bring offerings for the first temple built in Jerusalem. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 11 Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. We're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer later on. But do you see similarities there? Yeah. And how it flows and what is said? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. yeah? How many of us watched the Football World Cup? I don't know guys might put their hands up. Let's see if any ladies put them up. Yeah. yeah. Good, 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 good. Right. So, I guess from on this side of the, uh, the water, the person in the limelight at that time was Harry Kane being the lead striker and the captain of the England squad yeah Yeah. so do you think he went to the World Cup and ate what he wanted stayed up late partied and did what he wanted to do no No, I don't think so or do you think he trained had a disciplined diet disciplined what time he went to bed what he watched who he talked to yes definitely yeah I think so So he chose to be disciplined, to be trained, to keep focused, and to be prepared. He had to prepare himself and be ready for all circumstances that he could account for, and maybe some he couldn't account for, as you saw in the World Cup. You don't want to have to go to penalties, but there may be occasions where you have to. So you have to prepare for that eventuality. And praise God they got through this time. Amen. Victory in Christ is the same. 
we have to prepare our hearts and we have to prepare others to be able to encounter and receive the same victory that Christ has given us. We need to be disciples and disciplers. We need to be continually seeking the Holy Spirit's instructions, continually asking him to train us, to strengthen us and empower us to do what God needs us to do for any particular point in time. I'm going to stress that. It's a particular point in time. Then maybe one day I'm up here and I'm on fire for God and I can prophesy to the cows come home and tell everyone what they need to hear. And then the next day I won't be able to do that. It's because God has anointed me for that point in time. Same with the worship team. They're anointed for that particular Sunday, for that particular point in time. Our PA guys, bless you at the back. Because, yes, without them, we'd be in big trouble. Yeah, but you don't appreciate sometimes what God is doing for all of us to make sure all of this happens. Romans 8, verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. We need God's spirit to conquer what needs to be conquered. We are constantly training for the next battle God needs us to be involved in, for ourselves or for someone else. There's always a battle to be fought for God, a challenge to overcome or a problem to solve, and God wants us to share in that and help others to fight church I'm hoping you're getting the pattern of what I'm saying here we are always going to be fighting it's not a news flash this is reality we are always going to be in a fight but also you're going to have to be helping one another in the fight don't go into it by yourself this is not Tom Cruise this is not Mission Impossible you are not a one man army or Arnold Schwarzenegger you are the church of God the family of God Work together yeah. and fight the battles amen. with God. Hallelujah. Yeah? Yes, amen. amen. Victors in Christ don't let the doubts overcome them. That does not mean they don't have doubts, but they don't allow them to hinder, to do, hinder them to do what God has called them to do in faith and obedience to him. Victors in Christ don't give up. They always keep going. Jesus never gave up on us. We see the example of his relationship with Peter. Even after his denial, Jesus did not give up on Peter. He even warned Peter before his denial that he would fail him. But Jesus knew Peter and he never gave up on him. Jesus never lost hope of what Peter would achieve for him in his name. A New Testament example of a person not giving up on another is Barnabas and Mark. Barnabas and Paul fell out over him and went their separate ways. Barnabas' perseverance with Mark paid off as Mark would write one of the New Testament Gospels. An observation made by others is there was a reconciliation at the end of Paul's life with Barnabas regarding Paul because he encourages Timothy to bring Mark to assist him in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11. Victors in Christ need courage. We do. We need to stand strong. We need to have faith. And sometimes it takes courage. Courage is not the absence of fear, but it's doing something in spite of the fear. It's a bit like me going around on the track. They, they had this high-speed lap, and this car can, well, it's not even a car, it's like a, a little miniature F1, but really compact. It can do not to 16, 2.4 seconds. 
Mm. Yeah, so they advise you to wear a helmet. So you put the helmet on, and I, I slid into it, because you have to slid into it. The guy looked like the stig sitting next to me. It's like, okay. And it's, you know, you're looking at sunshine. But I could have let the fear stop me from getting that experience. I could see people going around the track. I could see how he was driving. I could see them getting out really at the end of the experience. But I thought, no, I want to do this. Once in a lifetime experience, I probably won't do it. Well, I would do it again. But sometimes you've just got to stay stuffed the fear. Let's get on with it. A quote from Watchman Nee. Outside of Christ, I am weak. In Christ, I am strong. So we as victors in Christ need to be strong. I don't mean physically strong, church. I mean spiritually strong. We need to keep going, never giving up, always remembering Jesus never gave up on us. He had the opportunity to, he had the right to, but he never gave up on us. So many times God will call us into a situation and we will be scared. We will be uncomfortable. We'll be out of our comfort zone. But as God has throughout the Bible and has said to many godly people, be courageous, be brave, I am with you. Quote from the internet. God never sends you into a situation alone. God goes before you. He stands beside you. He walks behind you. Whatever situation you have right now, be confident God is with you. Those four words, God is with you, can shatter mountains, bring down walls of great cities, defeat great armies, change your life and make it new. As a young Christian, I couldn't imagine life without Jesus. As a maturing Christian who has known Jesus, I can never live life without him. So have courage, church. Be strong, as the Lord calls us to be. And have hope for God is with us and has given us the victory. A victory won over 2,000 years ago on a cross through his Son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Being victorious in Christ means finishing well. Jesus at the cross when he had done all God had called him to do said it is finished and died. He began the salvation that the kingdom of God brings. He closed one chapter defeating death upon the cross and allowing the Holy Spirit to be released and poured out on many. He finished the hardest and greatest battle of them all. But Jesus is still fighting battles with us, overcoming with us, encouraging us, empowering us and loving us. He is there with us, pushing us, sometimes pulling us to be victorious. He has given us the ultimate victory, but he wins with us in our little victories. So we must, as victors in Christ, finish well and train others to finish well. Paul says he has run the race, he has fought the fight, but he wanted to finish well. Yes, he wanted the praise from his saviour and master, but I think it was the pleasure of pleasing his saviour that gave him fulfilment. All Jesus wanted to do was please the Father. So to be victorious in Christ, that has to be our mindset. That all we want to do is please the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. Being victors in Christ, we must allow God to take away our baggage. If you're anything like me, you probably are a hoarder. And you don't like to go let go of anything because you think you might need it for another day. 
I think we do the same with the things that may not be helpful for us in our lives. We must let God take away what is not helpful to us and hinders our walk with him. One example of this is the story of Archon in Joshua chapter 7. So let him take away that baggage. For those of us where it's a gradual process, please start somewhere. That's the biggest thing with us. If we don't make a start, it never happens. Once you make a start, it moves forward. Start to ask God to show you where your baggage is. Now, I'm not talking about your Gucci baggage. I'm talking about your spiritual baggage. The baggage that you may not even realise you have, but it's there. You may not even realise how much has accumulated. He wants you to be equipped in the best possible way. Have we seen, does people recognise this picture? Who is it? Speak up. Picture of Aslam can represent God, the line of Judah. <laughs> Sorry, Angie. <laughs> a lion's roar is quite attention grabbing, isn't it? It shows authority, power, and a presence to be reckoned with. Now let's check out something not so big. Is that as intimidating? I guess it's your viewpoint, yeah? From my viewpoint, the lion is going to put his bib on, get his knife and fork out, and... I think I've got more of a chance with this guy than the lion. I think, and even the roar alone is going to set you on a, you know, you're going to be running if you're in your right mind in the other direction. <clears throat> so for me, we as victors in Christ, oh, Mr. Side. Okay. we as victors in Christ need to ensure the presence of God is acknowledged where we are. Not like a mouse, but like a lion. Strong, proud, and ready for action. That lion's ready for action. How do we know for certain we have attained victory in Christ? Victors in Christ ensure God's will is paramount, completely controlling and influencing their lives. And they understand only through surrender and sacrifice can we truly relate to our living Saviour. John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulations and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. Victors in Christ acknowledge the victories God has given them. So this is the story of Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. And I didn't have time to uh, dig into it, but looking at it just briefly, I think the army of Israel is at a stalemate with the Philistines in a, what we would say some sort of um, valley, cavern, whatever you would call it. And I think this is the point where they're at. They've been there a while. And so we'll continue the story from verse 1. 
One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. That's the normal thing, isn't it? Son doesn't tell the family anything. Just thought, yeah, I feel like going out, Dad. But don't tell the dad. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah, under a pomegranate tree in Migron. And with him were about 600 men, and Ahijah, Ahijah, the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitum, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest at Shiloh, was wearing the ephod, and the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Looking at that verse, all the key people that you would normally have in the battle are there, but they don't seem to know what's going on. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to cross over to get to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. One crag was called Bozes and the other Senna. The one crag was on the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. It may be that the Lord will work for us. But there is nothing to prevent the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now, this, we're seeing a lot of boldness here from Jonathan, aren't we? Yeah? Remember, the garrison, the, the army's with his dad. All he's gone is he's taken himself and his armor bearer, which I'm sure is happy going with him by himself, out to go and take on a garrison. And his armor bearer said to him, Do everything that is in your heart, mind. Here I am with you in whatever you think best. Jonathan said, See now, we are going to cross over to the Philistine men and reveal ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come to us, we will go up, for the Lord has handed them over to us, and this shall be the sign to us. When both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they had hidden themselves. So the men of the garrisons responded to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we will tell you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Now again, there's a boldness and a courage there. Now he's the king's son. So I would say you know, he's got authority over the guy. Now if that was me now, I'd be sending him first. Yeah? Logical? The person in authority is normally the one that sits back and they let the other person do it. No, Jonathan wants to go first. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, his armor bearer following after him. The enemy fell before Jonathan in combat, and his armor bearer killed some of them after him. So that indicates also that Jonathan was getting a lion's share there. He was doing most of the work. That first slaughter with which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men with about half a plow furrow in a plot of land, the area of which a yoke of oxen could plow in a day. So that's quite a big area of land that he's just cleared of a garrison. A garrison is armed and they're ready for fighting. Yet him and his armor bearer have taken them and defeated them. And there was trembling in the Philistine camp, in the field, and among all the people. Even the garrison and the raiding party trembled in fear, and the earth quaked, and it became a trembling and terror from God. 
Saul's watchmen in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people with him, Take account and see who was left. When he had taken account, Jonathan his armor bearer missing. So again, from afar, Saul has seen something's happening. Where there was a stalemate, now the Philistines are scattering. He doesn't know what's going on. He goes and consults the priest. Well, first off, he finds, tries to find out who's missing. Saul says to Ahijah, the priest, Bring the ark of God here, for at that time the ark of God was with the sons of Israel. While Saul talked to the priest, the commotion in the Philistine camp continued and increased. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine man's sword was against his companion in wild confusion. Now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines previously, who went up with them all around in the camp, they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines had fled, they too pursued them closely in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle spread beyond Bethaven. So we can see that some people who had turned to be allies with the Philistines turned back to Israel in that day because they could see they were winning. Church, I don't want us to be like that. I don't want us to be running at the front when things are going well. We need to be running from the front no matter what the situation is because it's the bold ones, it's the courageous ones that God is fighting ahead of them. It wasn't Jonathan that had that victory. It was God's victory in Jonathan on that day. Victors in Christ know they're not alone in their battles. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. The victors in Christ know they have a renewed heart and mind in him, and they continue to seek him to continue that renewal of mind and heart. They learn to enjoy the presence of God and just rest in it. It's beautiful this morning with the worship. Thank you, Maxine. And, and, and you as well. It's just, we get into that presence and you don't want to leave it really. I mean, one day maybe I'll forego preaching and let you guys just, we just worship for the day. Good. Save me as well. But it's good to talk and listen to God. But it's good to just enjoy his presence. You are impacted by his peace, his calm, his wisdom in his presence. There is nothing like it and no other place we would desire to be for all eternity. Victors know there is going to be a cost. I think most people who go into a fight know something or someone is going to lose. Because there is always something to lose. Battle in most cases is the worst case scenario. But if you go into a battle, you go to win. No one wants to lose the fight or the battle. Jesus ensured we all win the battle because he won it for us and continues to help us win our battles as we go through life. Victors in Christ have dreams and desires that cannot be accomplished without the hand of God at work in them. We need to stop fighting the battles with ourselves and in ourselves and start fighting the battles God has called us and needs us to fight for his name, honour, glory and kingdom. 
Point five. What are the battles we as victors in Christ face today? Today we face battles of faith between ourselves and others. Via the different beliefs, different faiths, and sometimes our greatest battle is unbelief. Battles in our personal situations, be it family, work, or even within the church. Battles in the natural, be it our health, others' well-being, or their salvation. And battles in the supernatural, worst case scenario, demon possession, spiritual warfare, and salvation of unbelievers. Christianity is not like following a football club. We follow the great king and we follow him into battle. He has won the ultimate battle, but we still have our own battles to fight with him. And he fights by our side and ahead of us and he gives us the victory. Only by his great graces and mercies can we have victory. Worthwhile victory. Lasting victory. Victory that never fades, never rusts or ebbs away. It is a victory that is absolute, complete and nothing is amiss from it. 2 Samuel 8 verse 6. He puts garrisons in the Aramean kingdom of Damascus and the Arameans became subject to him and brought tribute. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. If you read through the books of Samuel and Kings, you see that phrase mentioned quite a bit. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. God gave many people and kings victories wherever they went. To his son, our our king and Lord saviour, Jesus Christ, he gave the ultimate victory. And those who follow him receive and live in that victory. See Jonathan Shieldbearer? He fought with his master and he enjoyed victory with him. Can you imagine the stories he had when he went back to camp? The Shieldbearer, not Jonathan. And he goes back to his mates. He says, yeah, you saw that commotion earlier. I was part of that. Yeah, just me and Jonathan. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We went in. Knocked them all down, and they all ran away from us. Can you imagine the stories those guys would have told? So it wasn't just Jonathan's victory, it was the Shieldbeard's victory as well. Prayer and worship is our battle cry. God always ensures he enjoys hearing us pray, especially for challenges we need to conquer and to help others to conquer. Now, has anyone seen the film Horton Hears a Who? Yeah, a few of us. All right. Probably parents because it's a kid's film. This is the Dr. Zeus story where a whole civilization exists as a speck on a flower. And it's heard by Horton the elephant because elephants have excellent hearing because of the big ears. Yeah? And being the helpful chap that he is, he tries to tell everyone that there's life on this little speck. It's a little flower and it's a little speck on that little flower. Of course, everyone laughs at him. But the people in the civilization have to try to make a noise to prove that there is life on this little speck, on this little flower. So they make as much noise as they can to break some sort of barrier to enable others to hear what they were saying. As they didn't have rap music, they had to use other forms of making noise. In the end, it takes everybody working as one to make one really loud noise to break through the barrier. Sometimes I imagine our prayers are like that. There are barriers, including ourselves, that hinder our prayers sometimes or slow them down. 
And God needs us to keep pushing and pushing and breaking through so that the prayers get through to him. A quote from R.A. Tori. The reason why many fail in battle is because they wait until the hour of battle. The reason why others succeed is because they have gained their victory on their knees long before the battle came. Anticipate your battles. Fight them on your knees before temptation comes and you will always have victory. I think that's very wise words. So as co-victors, we need to be constantly using the tools our victor, Jesus, uses. And prayer was one of those key items he used all the time. He used the word and the word through prayer to bring victory to others. We, as his ambassadors, as his examples, need to do the same. With God, we can gain victory through worship. We see the example of Joshua as he marched around the walls of Jericho, a fortified city. All they did was circle it with armed men, seven priests blowing horns, and the ark. But if you really read it closely, everyone that went round was silent, apart from the trumpet blowers. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) We know trumpets held the presence of God, and God was ensuring the nations knew his presence was there. God had already confirmed to Joshua they they would take Jericho, and through their faith and obedience, I think, built up something in, our he- in the heavenly realms to confirm what God had already put in place. We see it so many times in our own worship, where people's hearts are touched and broken and freed just by the grace of God. For me, the Lord's Prayer is a triumphant song of victory. Do, we, do most of us remember the Lord's Prayer? Okay, That's my version of it. That's how I was taught it. I couldn't find any Bible representation of that. They all cut it at um, the second from the last line, but I always know about the last line. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This acknowledges his great glory and mercy. How precious is his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, acknowledges his authority and his absolute power over all things. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Acknowledges the provision of God and where we lack that we seek God in that. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We re-acknowledge God's absolute victory for us. There is nothing above him and everything has been put under his feet by God's hand. So I would say we need to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus for all that he has done. Thank God. Thank you God for all that you have done. And thank you Holy Spirit for all that you are doing now and for all our lives until Jesus comes in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I would normally finish the preach there, but I've got more to go. As a victory in Christ, we will always be in a battle and have battles to fight. Life keeps us occupied, and sometimes we get weary. Young or old, we get weary. We must never forget we are still in a battle. Praise God for prayer warriors. They do battle all the time for Jesus. God keeps us in battle 
so we meet so we remain sharp and focused on the work at hand and even when he allows us to rest believe me the enemy does not put his feet up and put a brew on he intensifies his attack all the more against us so like Paul fight the fight and finish the race well for the glory of God victors in Christ know the appropriate weapons for their battles battle for your mind and soul battles for your mind and soul are constant with ground lost and gain on a moment by moment basis praise God he provided the ultimate victory in Jesus we need to learn about and use the appropriate weapons for the battles we face it's not about survival it's about salvation and sanctification completed at the cross being worked through the battles we face for God's purposes Victors in Christ are always advancing for the kingdom. They want to gain ground for God's glory and his kingdom. And they want to share their victory in Christ with others and are willing to serve Jesus in any way they can. Victors in Christ carry the title child of God boldly. They take it boldly into their situations and always acknowledge God as the source of their strength and courage. They understand the implications of being called a child of God. Victors in Christ strive for the freedom and victory of those God has called to himself. As victors in Christ, we serve a God of action, so he wants and desires a people of action to fulfill his purposes. So victors in Christ understand the following. They understand about God, the Holy Trinity. They understand God loves us and gives us wisdom. That we are saved and separated for his purposes, empowered by God for his purposes, And there is always hope. And finally, God's justice will be shown fully on the last day, but we will not experience his wrath. Unfortunately, victims in Christ also know that the world hates us. That the world makes its own or corrupts God's wisdom. That the world is lost unless they repent and ask forgiveness. That they are empowered by the enemy for his purposes. And that many of them have lost hope. Finally, there is injustice for many in the world and they will experience the full wrath and judgment of God on the last day. Victors in Christ understand there will be sacrifices for them to bear to receive victory. Look at the time spent by the army to train a rookie recruit. An army officer follows orders normally without question via the leader's authority, but normally and more importantly through trust and respect for the leader. They have proven themselves as being worthy to lead and give orders. Has Jesus proven himself in battle? I think most certainly. And he still does to this day. He has proven time and time again he wins the battles for us. And when we lose ground, he strengthens us to do better next time. Our God is not a God of chance. He leaves nothing to chance. Nothing in us or in God is left to chance. Everything is meticulously put in place, planned, thought about, and provided for. We know that he is just in all that he does. We know he is wise beyond all wisdom and knowledge. He is an eternal God whose purposes and ways are beyond our means, but all things are for the good of those he loves. He is purposeful, gracious, kind, and patient in all that he does for us. We may not understand or know why he does some things, But in all things, he will, if we follow him, give us victory over anything that comes our way. 
out of the clutches of defeat or out of nothing, he has given victory when everything has been lost. Stories like Daniel being cast to the lions, the three young Jewish men and King Nebuchadnezzar, their situation was hopeless and they were given victory. We see Jesus giving us the ultimate victory at the cross. The devil thought that this was the ultimate defeat, killing the Son of God. But through the foolishness and wickedness of men, the greatest victory of all time was birth. And a new nation began to be formed from this, with the Gentiles being grafted into the eternal kingdom of God. God is never complacent, so neither should we be. He prepares us for every occasion, even if we truly don't feel prepared for it. Why? Because truly we do it in his strength and power, for his glory, not in our own strength. Victors in Christ will encourage others with God's help to endure in their trials and circumstances. And they remain faithful and dedicated to the purposes of God. And persevere no matter how hard it gets, even unto death for some. Victors in Christ show and live by the love of God expressed to believers and non-believers. And understand the importance of being a part of a strong, thriving church community. We need to be loving, friendly, inclusive according to God's values and show hospitality and care for each other. Last verse today. Revelation 17 verse 14. They will wage war against the Lamb, Christ, and the Lamb will triumph and conquer them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and those who are with him are on his side are the called and chosen, elect and faithful. Revelation 19, 21, 22 celebrate God's ultimate victory for us and the rewards we as believers will share in with Jesus as victors in Christ. God's victory over evil is not in doubt. The enemy and everything evil is on borrowed time. God in his time will obliterate all to renew and refresh what is corrupted and stained by sin. Our ultimate victory is not the defeat of sin and death, but the renewal and enhancement of our relationship with the gracious and faithful God of gods and Lord of lords. The defeat of sin and death is a bonus, so there will be nothing to hinder, distract or upset the overwhelming, never-ending, beautiful, wonderful, magnificent, glorious presence and love of God. That church is what I hope we as victors in Christ strive for and focus on, to endure and to fight our many and long battles. But keeping our eyes on him, the perfecter and author of our salvation and his royal priesthood. We are winners, victors. We are the children of God, part of the growing kingdom of the almighty God. And that is something to rejoice in. We need to be passionate about his victory. Overjoyed, overpowered, overwhelmed by this great privilege, great mercy that God has provided for us. So church, I would like us to be encouraged that we are victors in Christ. We remain victors in Christ and we must strive to be victors in Christ. And God leads us into situations we don't understand, but God holds the victory in his hands. So Lord, all things are possible in you and through you. Let us just try to find and obediently follow your leadings and how you want us to bring victory to others in your grace and mercies. Amen.